Good morning, everyone. I want to talk to you about something that we don't preach enough about. We don't speak enough about and we don't live like it's particularly relevant to our everyday lives. But for believers, there's probably nothing more significant than this thing. It's not money. It's not sex. It's not prayer. It's heaven. Now, immediately I say that, you might think, oh, I thought it was going to be something interesting. Well, you couldn't be more wrong. I'm sure that when I say heaven, you immediately picture in your mind the kind of Renaissance paintings of angels playing harps and fluffy white clouds. That picture is actually an unhelpful distraction from the true business of heaven. You see, nothing could be more interesting, exhilarating, ecstatic even, than heaven. Heaven is the hope of everyone who's put their trust in Jesus Christ, who believes that he took our sins upon himself and died on the cross, then three days later rose from the dead. Our hope is that Though we will physically die one day, unless Jesus returns before that, we will rise again and live with God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit in perfect, loving community forever. And that heaven won't be some ethereal place in the sky. Heaven will come to earth when Jesus comes back and creation will be renewed. Rich Viodas, who is a pastor in New York, tweeted this recently. He said, the Bible doesn't end with souls ascending to a disembodied heaven. It ends with a fully embodied heaven descending to earth. The resurrection is the good news that God in Christ is committed to the renewal, reconciliation and resurrection of all things. And so should the church be. I couldn't agree more. We're going to read about that hope today from the next part of Paul's letter to the Thessalonian church. We're going to read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting at verse 13. And I'm reading the New Living Translation. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so that you will not grieve like people who have no hope? For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died, or the NIV says those who have fallen asleep. Verse 15. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout and the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. 
Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. Paul is writing this section of the letter to answer questions that people in the church had because they were grieving for members of that church who had died. Death is much harder for those who are left behind. When we're bereaved, we face grief and loss and we're left with real questions about those who have died. What has happened to them? Are they all right? Will I ever see them again? In verse 13, Paul talks about those who have died, or as it says in the NIV, those who have fallen asleep. This is because when people die, their spirit still lives. And whilst their physical body becomes lifeless, their spirit is still conscious. This is known as the intermediate state, and we get hints about it in the New Testament. Jesus said to the repentant thief who was crucified next to him uh, on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise, not bodily with him, but by his spirit. Christians who had died are described as falling asleep in some translations because their spirits are with Jesus, but their bodies aren't yet raised. Paul goes on to say, don't grieve like those who have no hope. Greek and Latin inscriptions have been discovered in that area that read, I was not, I was, I am not, I care not. In that era, there was no general hope of life beyond the grave. And that same kind of fatalism pervades our society. People say, this life is all there is. You're kidding yourself if you think there's anything more. Strange things happen when people lose hope. You see it in sports teams when they're losing and there's a moment when the players' heads go down because they've given up hope of winning the game. I know for me, when I lose hope that a situation will change, I start to disengage, I'm less motivated and I give up more easily. But if I have hope, something to look forward to, it changes how I feel and how I act now. I have more energy, more passion. I can be an encouragement to those around me. If we live with an awareness and a hope of heaven, we will cope with the setbacks of life much better. We won't get demotivated because we know how the game ends. Having hope changes the way we live now. In verse 14, Paul writes, because Jesus died and rose again, we believe he will bring with him believers who have died. Our hope in the resurrection is based on the resurrection of Jesus, an event that took place in history. And because through faith we're now in Christ, we can have not just a vague hope, but real confidence. Paul wrote elsewhere in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 14, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. Paul is reassuring the Thessalonians 
that the believers who have already died will be there on that amazing day when Jesus returns. They won't miss out. In verse 16, Paul writes about Jesus coming back and the Greek word is parousia. That word was used for the glorious arrival of a deity or the official visit of a king or queen to a city. When Jesus comes back, it won't be a marginal event. It will be a global thing, bigger than any coronation or royal wedding or Olympic ceremony. Multitudes will gather and Jesus will be heralded with shouts and trumpets. In funeral processions in the ancient world, trumpets would be sounded. And when the Emperor Claudius died, apparently the sound of the trumpets, trumpets was so deafening that it was thought that the dead would, could hear them. When Jesus comes back, the trumpet will be so loud it could raise the dead. In fact, it will raise the dead. Paul tells them, that the believers who have died will rise in a bodily resurrection, their spirits reunited with a new resurrection body. And then he goes on in verse 17 to say that all the believers together will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. We have to not get too hung up on what this will actually be like. It's apocalyptic picture language. Clouds represented the presence of God. Think of the pillar of cloud that led the Israelites out of Egypt and rested on the tent of meeting. And when Jesus was transfigured before Peter, James and John on the mountain, it says a cloud covered them. The clouds mark the meeting place between people and God like the horizon line between the sea and the sky. The prophet Daniel wrote that he saw one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. We don't know what it will actually be like. We only have hints of what our resurrection bodies might be like from the gospel accounts of Jesus after he rose from the dead. But we know that it will be glorious and we know heaven will be a physical place. God announces in Isaiah 65 verse 17, Behold, I will create new heavens and a new earth. Think of hope as an acronym, heaven on planet earth. I think for a lot of Christians, heaven is a theoretical hope rather than a real one. So of course, it puts more emphasis on the here and now. We hope for better jobs, pay rises, nice holidays, for our kids to be happy, for new cars. Those are the hopes that we live with. But as C.S. Lewis said, have we settled for far too little when so much more has been promised to us? And at its worst, heaven is not only not a real hope, but it is a fear. We fear to lose our lives. We live like this life is all there is, very much like everyone else around us. You know what they say about icebergs? 
that only 10% is above the surface of the water. Well, this life, your 80 years or so of growing up, scraped knees, making friends, having your heart broken, working, living, laughing and crying and everything else is just the faintest tip of the iceberg. Less than a sliver of ice, less than a snowflake, less than a molecule of water compared to the iceberg that is infinity. Your life now is infinitesimally small compared to eternity. We live like death is the end, that when we physically die, which we all will unless Jesus comes back first, that that is the end. We lose our lives. We're separated from our loved ones. We lose the, all the things that we've accumulated in life. But rather than an end, I believe God wants to help us today to see that if we're in Christ, then this life is just the beginning and death isn't the end, but only the end of the beginning. This is how C.S. Lewis concludes his Narnia series in the book, The Last Battle. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now, at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. Heaven is going to be fun. It's going to be better than anything you could ever imagine because we will be in the glorious presence of God. Paul writes in verse 17, then we will be with the Lord forever. It's not gonna be boring like a dull church service, you know you've been to one, or a worship song that gets repeated too many times, or a prayer meeting that seems to go on forever. Paul writes in Philippians 1 verse 21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Eternity with God will be far better than this life in every conceivable way. Heaven is going to be the most fulfilling, the most exciting experience you could ever have. Maybe you just haven't thought about heaven enough. Perhaps you need to stock up on some stuff that will fuel your hope. If you want to read more about this, I'd recommend a book called The End Times by John Hosier. You can still get hold of uh, a copy of it secondhand. And it's helpful on what the Bible says. Heaven won't just be fun. It will be perfect. Some of you right now are living with chronic pain or life limiting conditions and may have been for years. And whilst we believe God can and does heal, you may be struggling with something that God hasn't dealt with and hasn't gone away. Our hope is that in heaven, the pain will be no more. Weakness and suffering will fade away and we will be renewed in his presence. Won't that be wonderful? There'll be no sin, no sickness, 
no suffering, only peace and joy in the presence of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. So Paul concludes in verse 18, so encourage one another with these words. We should talk more about heaven, more than theological controversies or the latest blog, more than what your favourite worship song is. We should get excited about heaven and we should take comfort in that hope, even in the midst of the challenges of life. When a Christian brother or sister is struggling, you can encourage them by talking about heaven. Don't settle for, oh, I'm sure it'll get better at some point. You can say confidently, whatever happens in this life, when Jesus comes back, all suffering will end and we'll enjoy him forever. Perfect peace, unrivaled joy, true contentment. And you will see him face to face. You'll be able to look Jesus in the eye. He will wipe away every tear from your eyes. And the wonder of the gospel is that you won't feel any shame. Because Jesus became incarnate and sacrificed his own life on the cross, then bodily rose from the dead three days later. By faith, by believing in him, you too can be raised when he comes back. And because you're in Christ by faith, you don't need to fear judgment. You don't need to fear death. You are righteous in Christ and you will live with him forever. Right now, there is a man standing in heaven. Jesus is with the Father in his resurrection body. Isn't that staggering? It sort of blows my mind. We can't fully comprehend it, but Jesus is there now, as he was when he appeared to his disciples and around 500 other witnesses. We're going to take bread and wine now. If you're a follower of Jesus, believe by faith as you take these elements, you are what Peter calls in 2 Peter 1 verse 4, a partaker in the divine nature, in his resurrection life. As you eat bread and drink wine, know that he sits at the right hand of the Father in his resurrection body. And we declare our hope that we will be with him, bodily raised with him by faith in his body broken for us and his blood shed for our sins. So let's eat bread and drink wine together. Father, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus from heaven to become human, to become one of us. Thank you that he didn't hold on to his life, 
but he laid it down for us. Thank you, Jesus, that you shed your blood for us. Thank you that through repentance and faith, we are now in Christ. Though we will physically die, we know when Jesus, you return, we will be raised in our resurrection bodies to live with you forever. Living in heaven on a renewed earth. We thank you for that, Lord. Amen. By way of response, if you would call yourself a Christian, I want, you, I want to invite you today to renew your hope in Jesus, to have a real and living hope of heaven that will sustain you through life. Or if you're listening to me and you aren't sure what you believe, I want to invite you to put your hope in Jesus. He's taken all of our sin and shame and died for it on the cross. Today, you can turn away from all the things that you know to be wrong that offend God and you can be rescued from the hell of an eternity of separation from God. And by faith, you can receive his forgiveness and start a new life with God that will go on forever, beyond your physical death into an eternity living with Jesus in heaven on earth. If you would like to pray in either of those ways, to have a renewed hope of heaven or to put your faith in Jesus, then I invite you to join me now on a Zoom call. The code is on the screen. I'll see you there as soon as you can log in now and I'll have some friends with me who are waiting to talk and pray with you. I'm going to pray now and then we'll sing. Uh, so if you'd like to respond, uh, please log in to Zoom. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the hope of heaven. And whatever comes in this life, whether things are fantastic or things are incredibly challenging, we know our destiny is the same. We all die physically one day. But Lord, whether that day comes soon, next month, next year, or in many years' time, help us to prepare well. Help us to live with an awareness that death isn't the end, that our spirits will go on forever. But those who trust in you, Jesus, we will be raised to new resurrection life when you come back and we'll live with you forever. I want to pray for anyone who is struggling at the moment or who has a real fear about death. Please comfort them today and reassure them with these amazing truths. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. If you'd like to respond, please join us now on Zoom. Uh, we're going to worship together to respond to God.